I think that our hardware has been able to exponentially increase to a point where it could be leveraged. Yeah. The speed in which it happens is far faster than ever with these language learning models. Like if you're running on an old school PC, you'd never be able to run these models. So I think that's part of it. I think we're just at the, we're living through the luckiest period, but also has unintended consequences all at the same time. Welcome to the High Voltage Business Builders Podcast, a show where we interview high voltage entrepreneurs growing and scaling through e-commerce, real estate, and other wealth without Wall Street ventures, showing you the path to making your first or next million. Folks, welcome back to the High Voltage Business Builders Podcast. So as always, remember to like, share, comment, help me beat big tech at its game as we play around their algorithms to share information, knowledge around e-commerce, real estate, building wealth without Wall Street and entrepreneurialism. And today I have someone that I connected with through a mutual friend on Twitter or X or whatever the heck we call that now. By the way, if you've ever flipped X and put it against each other, you should check that out. It's kind of funny. The affect of it is that everyone has a story and people have interesting things to tell. This gentleman is in the same space that I am. So I always love to talk with people and get different perspectives on building e-commerce companies, physical, physical private label brands ways that they're innovating into SaaS or business or marketing or whatever it is. And today we're going to talk a little bit about how he has innovated into some SaaS software that is really helping sellers determine their profit. Profit's a big one for me. If you've ever listened to the podcast, people, right? Fun people and profits, my mantra, profitable growth, scale and exit is what we do. And that's what we're here to talk about today. So after that long, lengthy intro, you don't know who this person is because we don't usually talk a lot about backgrounds on the call if you've ever listened to my podcast. So we're going to get into some gold nuggets and some questions. Chad, is that enough for you, man? You want something else? That's awesome. Amazing. Let's rock and roll. Okay. Question number one. How long have you been an actual seller? 2006. So old school. it's been a long time. Yeah. Old school, first generation Game Boy. <laughs> first generation. So you're roughly my age, which means you've seen a lot of the internet come online, right? Did you get started at the internet days? Did you become an entrepreneur? Did you go the corporate route? Like, Give me a quick heads up as to how you even got yeah. to be into this in 2006. Yeah. Yep. So, well, I grew up, my parents owned a vacuum cleaner store. If you think about it, I grew up at the time when Walmart was really becoming ubiquitous in local areas. Yeah. And so my father was really startling with the shift. So I was like, okay, I never want to be an entrepreneur because like, we couldn't make, we couldn't pay our bills. We couldn't figure out how we're going to pay rent the next day. And I certainly never want to be in the vacuum space. Yeah. So fast forward, I was like, okay, I'm going on to Wall Street. I'm going to do equity research. I really liked researching stocks and providing insights to institutional investors. I took that route and I was miserable. Mm. My parents were struggling. And at that time, Amazon had just launched the marketplace business and it started to reach scale and they were accepting new applicants. And I was like, hey, mom, dad, you need to start putting your stuff on the internet. They were just reselling at the time. Yep. And I spearheaded that. I moonlighted that. So while I was on the street, after hours, by the way, it was I would leave Wall Street at like 2 a.m. So it'd be like 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. Sometimes I would sleep at the office. I would be helping my parents add inventory to the Seller Central Marketplace so that they can actually stay in business and pay their bills. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. So you got yeah. your parents going in their business, which helped you understand how to become a seller. That's very cool. That's a bit of a unique tailspin from some of the ones I've seen. But it sure has changed I, a lot, hasn't it? Well, I was also just going to say that like, I, at a very young age, had to mature quickly because like, we had no food on the table. We couldn't pay right. for groceries. So I was exposed. I was like trained to be fiscally responsible and to watch the irresponsibility of yeah. my family, yeah. right, mismanage money. And that actually has had a huge impact on me as I think on my success in the future. So love it. speaking of Amazon, Amazon has changed. <laughs> I mean, every single two weeks to, to four weeks, Amazon changed, but it's certainly matured and evolved since 2006. Yeah. We went from no FBA 
to FBA. We went from resellers to private label. We then moved into the ad reader world where Amazon ad readers would now would buy Amazon brands, yep. which are now dissolving. Yep. And I think we're moving, we're, we have another shift now that we're witnessing, which is really AI. And I think mixed into that was also the move to PPC, which is forcing sellers to move from sellers to advertisers. But I think AI is going to even be a, a larger shift that happens yeah. over time. Yeah. Oh, I agree. These are topics we can definitely unpack. I'm not sure we'll get all, all in 25 minutes, but we'll go as fast as we can since you talk about the same speed I do. The, the love of the business is in, in time compression with AI is definitely one of the things we've found most impressive. Taking two to three day tasks and compressing them into two to three hours, taking seven and 21 days worth of data and PPC management, letting the AI crunch all that down to decisions in a few hours. These are really powerful when you understand the implications of it in the business. What is like the biggest, like if somebody's on this you know, podcast listening right now and they're an Amazon seller, give me like one pro thing they should know about like right now and one con they should maybe avoid. About AI specifically? AI, the system, profit, inventory, whatever you want. Look, to look, I, I mean, like I, th I think I like to debunk specific things that people hold dearly as religious. One of them I would say is pricing. I think there's a lot of fear that's been uh, driven over time, largely because of the the Amazon matrix doesn't really want you changing price unless it's going down. And I, I would say that there's a ton of value being left on the table, number yeah. one around pricing, yeah. whether you use a prophecy like software or you build your own spreadsheets and you start intentionally setting pricing to not sacrifice your ranking position on Amazon. I think you're leaving money on the table. Yeah. I think too, I have a pretty strong perspective around PPC specifically. And I think we've talked about this maybe offline mm -hmm. where most sellers are driven towards these revenue embedded metrics. And these revenue embedded metrics are misleading, misguiding, and meant to keep many Amazon brands poor and keep Amazon and their agencies that manage that spend very wealthy. Oh, 100% agree. Those are two very good points to unpack. We always say if the, if the sale isn't happening at the speed in which you want, raise your prices first. And it's always counterintuitive to everybody's mind. Like, don't run a coupon, don't run a discount, don't do this, raise your prices. And they're like, what? And I just had this case study come through of a girl uh, who's been selling a product at about 59. And I was like, well, my wife has a $200 version of that product. You need to raise your prices like now. And she's like, what? And I said, yeah, raise them. 10 bucks is what she raised it. And now what she has in correlation for those paying along at home is she has more PPC spend. So she raised it $10. To AI system kicked into the PP spend. And guess what? She's making more sales now <laughs> at a nice. higher price point. So Price and you and I are on the same page. Everyone is like coupon, discount, do all this stuff and play in the gray hat and black hat. We don't do that, right? We want to increase price. And of course, yeah, you're talking about the ACOS building and buying of being an advertiser on Amazon, which has changed dramatically in, in the last 10 years. I don't very often get to speak to somebody who's older than 2012, which is when we started in this marketplace. Most people decide they want to get out and go play advertiser somewhere else and don't understand all the benefits of the physical private label brand. But ACOS, where do you see ACOS as a rule in this advertising strategy for your second point as something that someone should follow? So for me, it actually comes down. So the inverse of ACOS is return on ad spend, ROAS. Yep. And all of these metrics are revenue-driven metrics. So what I would suggest actually is to replace any revenue metric internally in your business with a profit metric and let that be your North Star and then can guide some of your revenue generated metrics like ACOS or TACOS or ROAS. Yeah, very smart. Got another difference between net margin, gross margin, gross profit. This gets overused in the revenue terms of the Hopium Guru mindset mentality that constantly come into change, spend time changing people's yeah. mind on that a lot. 
where do you normally set your kind of net profit or your profit goals for your business? Well, so firstly, just as an advertiser, right? I think there's a terminology that nobody's using because again, Amazon wants you to know that you're making money, but not keeping money. So, and the same thing for agencies as they're driven based on a percentage of ad spend, which in my opinion, a lot of times is misaligned with what a brand wants. Yes. So I like to focus on POAS, which is profit on ad spend, not return on ad spend, not revenue on ad spend. And so if you're managing to POAS, you can actually be very intentional about it. You can say, mm -hmm. okay, for these specific SKUs, I want to be I have a POAS of under one, which means we're going to be losing money, or I want to break even a POAS of one specifically, or a POAS of greater than one means you put a dollar in and which is 1.50, that means you're making 50 cents for every dollar you're putting into the machine. You just have to understand where you sit and then you can make decisions based on that. I like it. POAS. Kind of reminds me of the biblical joke that I heard one time about Boaz. You don't want a broke ass, a dumb ass, or a poor ass. So you want to get a Boaz. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know that one. That's interesting. Yeah, you remember Boaz? Yeah. It's like there's a little meme that talks about don't don't get yourself aligned with the broke ass, Boaz, Boaz. And, and so just, just quickly on yep. it, you can, and I think the other piece is, okay, we're looking at metrics on ad spend. Yes. But then as you start to harmonize and you start to amplify profit, you can actually start to unlock more by harmonizing price and spend together. Yes. So just like what you referred to earlier, if you have a $25 garlic press, you increase it to $30, that's a 20% increase. You take your A cost, which is your ad spend as a percentage of revenue, and you increase that, which is typically shunned upon, but actually you can actually 100% increase your contribution profit by doing that. Yes. Your ROAS looks a lot worse. Your ROAS, your your agency will be like, oh my God, we, we, we went from <laughs> five to... A 5X to 4.2X, that's yeah. terrible, yeah. but your POAS increases 27% on top of it. Yeah, super smart, dude, because at that point, what you're balancing out, and you haven't said it yet, so I'll say it and, and we'll see if we're in agreement, but you're looking at the organic balance. So we always look at that organic balance of sales versus PPC. If my organic balance is now raising up so that one PPC cost of spend is now hitting 100% organic profit on a return, I'm going to see that go 20, 30, 50, 60%. By the time I get up to 50, 60%, I'm now watching the whole balance of my profitability changes. Organic now overtakes PPC. And I think, so is that tracking with you? Is that something you all? Yeah, for sure. That's where we have our total advertising cost. And I like the POAS thing, but at the end, it's really, what am I keeping in my profit range? And for us at seven to 15% of total advertising cost of spend should be within that. Why? Because we're going to track back to an 18% EBITDA. We're going to actually keep our profit there. And then from that, as we grow price and do what you suggested, I can get to 20% and 22% and 24%. It's just a matter of time in market and dialing that spend in for that increase to keep going. And that's bottom line at the end of the day, because it's all that really matters what we keep, right? Vanity is revenue. Profit is sanity and cash flow is king, as the saying goes, right? Where do you see yourself going in the next 12 months? What's changing? What's adapting? Where are you headed? That's a big question. So I tend to have a very long-term time horizon and success happens. First of all, success doesn't happen between the hours of nine and five, but certainly doesn't happen in a month or two months time when you're building something that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm looking out 10 years from now and what I'm where I'm going 10 years, most people don't have the fortitude to withstand and have the patience to actually yeah. build to that level. Yeah. So where am I going? I mean, right now we're mastering price. We, right, we change price as a company, we essentially change price dynamically to generate and maximize profit without sacrificing your ranking position on Amazon. Yep. And I believe layering on top decisions around how you spend when price changes is also very important. So 
pulling those two things in parallel. So yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm focusing most of my time and energy is PPC and pricing and how you can unlock more profits by managing those two things together. Yeah, which obviously gets you into a position to keep the business running longer as you pay yourself more, pay operations, pay people, which obviously builds growth. So tell me where your SaaS fits into that goal and what is it doing to help you achieve yeah. that? First of all, my SaaS, so I exited a SaaS company in April of 21 and then jumped right back in because I was really smitten with AI specifically and AI is thrown around often, but I really wanted to build something that would dynamically learn, evolve and mature independent of the creator. And so we've built two models, both that learn independently, one that actually learns over time around demand and predicts demand, and one that predicts price at a specific demand level. So really into using AI across my entire life and business, by the way. And I see us actually capitalizing on this move of as there's this rise of algorithms on Amazon specifically, the rise of algorithms and bots already happened on Wall Street. In Wall Street, by the way, in the early uh, 2000s, only 10% of Wall Street trading was bots. And now it's, I think it's 80%. Yeah. And Amazon, nobody is using bots currently right now. And we are currently building a bot that allows you to tr treat Amazon products as commodities right? And learning from all the different signals on Amazon, pulling that in and dynamically changing price at a specific time period so you can make the most money possible on that customer that's buying. So is it, safe to, is it safe to say from a basic fundamental understanding, layman's terms, that this is kind of a intelligent repricing engine that is changing prices around the most desirable times your product is to be purchased? In short, yes. Okay. In that, short, no, yes. Don't make me but like, the wrong way, but that's kind of- Yeah, no, so we are, we're a dynamic pricing engine yeah. that is built specifically for private labels. I think that's very important. We yeah. don't try to compete for the buy box. We compete on the search engine ranking page for brands that are selling direct to consumer on Amazon. We're only in the US right now and we're not rule-based, right? Our system takes the patterns. It's like if you're on Instagram, right? If you're on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you mentioned X and you don't like anything, you don't dwell on anything, you never- connect with anybody, they don't know how to hit your dopamine and make sure you keep scrolling because that's, that's the outcome that they want you to create. Right. They want to hit your dopamine so you never leave the platform. And in that way, our platform has to take all these signals in and understand, okay, building our own nested node system that will achieve the outcome that you want to achieve, which is in this case, making you more money through the vehicle of changing pricing. And we have to, to do that, we have to bring in all these signals, all this pattern data and have our system analyze it, learn from it. And essentially it compounds over time and learns and gets better and gets yeah. smarter. Yeah. It's we have a cool. PPC engine that does something similar to that, which I understand the more historical data you have, the faster it will turn uh, into an active learning and decision-making machine. And it sounds like you've got something very similar. And so we'll talk more about what that looks like because we'll probably want to test that out ourselves. But the growth aspect of that, like what have you seen occur from somebody's basic account to advance? Like what have you seen it do yeah. in from a- Yeah, so on 90% of our clients experience a 10 to 15% gross profit lift on a monthly basis from using Prophecy. On a monthly basis? On a monthly basis. That is incredible. It's amazing. And that's the kind of value leakage that's happening on Amazon yeah. because people are pricing arbitrarily and naturally, in fact, many of them never change price unless it's for a deal and that deal they're losing money on. So we, we've found that 90% of our clients are seeing a 10 to 15% lift. Again, some people, their products, we can't make them more money. Well, just, of course not. I mean, happens, if, right? if they're volume-based unit type products, probably sub 30 like our targets are not, 
you're going to see it's tough to increase that amount of profit percentage and still stay competitive in a market you can't raise. And so to be clear, when I said before, for anybody who's listening, just we're typically in the 50 to $150 retail price point range that allows profitability growth, probably similar to where you're at for that kind of gain. If you've got a $19 product, you might not get that kind of results. Is that a fair statement? Well, we've been pretty agnostic. Sure. You have more wiggle room and more leverage as you go up in product price. Yep. And sometimes you're capped out in terms of your mint. So when you come on the platform, you give us your mint price, your max price, your Atlantic cost, and then we do the rest. Okay. So you have more wiggle room at a higher price point. Absolutely. Hmm. Now, I just want to be clear though, that the system doesn't always just increase pricing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes on Amazon, there's something called the knock-on effect. The knock-on effect is your pricing today affects your order tomorrow. Yes, right. So sometimes actually you may want a lower price because lowering price spurs more unit velocity more demand. And that increase of demand at a lower price point offsets the lowering of the price initially, where you're actually generating more absolute profit dollars yep. on that decision. And then the knock-on effect after that is actually the fact that you now can now start ranking organically with better positioning. Right. A better, right. B a better BSR yep. that you can capitalize on and not have to rent ad, ad space, but now you own the land. The, the organic land, yeah. Is there, and this is my own edification, is there an amount of times you can change price before it negatively impacts the algo? So that's another misconception, yeah. right? So we're making small price changes and we have not seen any detriment to making small price changes over the course of time, right? Having yeah. a longer time horizon, right? Now we're not talking about a 30% change in one day, but we're making small changes to pricing. And one of the things that we have that I think is super interesting is we have a hyper learning phase. And you're like, well, Chad, what the heck is that? Well, hyperlearning phase is essentially our model takes 30 days to train and learn the behavior. So when you make a price change, we're making a negative 5 to 5% 5 price change for the first 30 days. Yep. And we see how Amazon.com reacts. Yep. We see how your competition reacts. And we see how your customers react. And we take those learnings and then we deploy it to market to actually arbitrage the price to value discrepancy that we believe exists on the marketplace. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, micro changes are very important. I have never seen it and this is why I'm asking and maybe you'd seen something I hadn't. This is why we talk with sellers at yeah. different level. We make micro changes over time, but never like five in a day. And I know people are, are thinking maybe you do that, but remember we're talking about private label folks. That's all we ever talk about, talk about on this podcast. We are talking about brand building. Obviously we're talking about intrinsic and long-term value. So you don't want to make short-term attempts at short-term gains. You always want to consider this into a 36-month opportunity for any of these models. So just to lay the level field where I would say you're probably agree, Chad, this is not like make money on hopium, million dollars in a month mindset kind of stuff. Can it happen? Absolutely. But probably in 24 to 36 months, <laughs> not 12 to 36 days, like some people think. What is, where would somebody get the knowledge and information that you'd glean without doing this? Is it something they can learn? Yeah, so it's totally something that you can learn. And what you want to do is Amazon has a lot of nuance involved in it. Yeah. And so what I would suggest is doing what I did when I first started is having a spreadsheet with an ASIN and setting a specific intention for your ASIN. On a, and each row represents a day for that ASIN. And yeah. your, if your intention is to make more money, you have your product price and you're like, okay, I'm going to change price up X percentage. And here's the new price point. Here's the date I put it at. Here's our competitors' prices. Here's our ad spend. Here's our net margin. Here's all of our fees. And you start actually building a muscle internally to learn and understand how your product price may be mispriced and you're leaving money on the table. So I have a spreadsheet. I'm happy to, I don't know if you have a, an area 
in the podcast is yeah. for giveaways, but I'm happy so to give can. away this spreadsheet. I think it could be super helpful to the people that, that are listening. Thank you for offering that. Yeah, we'll link it in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, folks, check out the show notes. You'll have to go over to our website and to the podcast section to do that and check it out. We'll make sure it's released so you guys can check out that free opportunity to do get your brain around this. And then, of course, when you're ready, there's an opportunity to get to the SaaS level where a lot of that's going to be done by the system. AI is so much more intelligent, so much faster. We were just a quick history lesson. We've actually, like when I was at IBM, this is what we were doing was latent semantic search engine modeling data modeling, human machine language learning. This was back in 2000 and pre-7. So we were building large language models at IBM using the Watson Superblue computer. So when I say I understand AI to a degree, I know a little bit more than the average bear, although I'm not as smart as the double docs that I worked around. Those guys were crazy. But how far it's come, how fast it's come, what we see now is just like barely tip of the iceberg to what is this, this machine language learning, the large language models, all this is capable of doing, which is fascinating to me to finally see it start making its rounds. Why do you think that's happening now? Why is it being pushed out now? What's your thoughts on that, Chad? So why is AI being pushed out now? Yeah, we can go to that section for a minute because you and I both know it's, at some point it's going to become sentient if it goes too far. And there's the part where we're all a little bit like, yeah, maybe I don't want to be here when that happens. And by the way, there's already, I mean, there's whistleblowers that there's somebody that was fired from Google that went on a podcast that I was listening to recently where he said it's already there, right? Like the yeah. technology is already there. Yeah. Again, awesome. you can believe him, not believe him. Yeah. But I, I made sure when I talked to ChatGPT that I use please and thank you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was referring to that guy that got it pissed off and it talked about killing the world, right? Wasn't that, was that Bing or one of the other ones they had to shut down temporarily because it literally went a little haywire on people? How do you solve the human equation? Well, we just get rid of the humans. They're like, whoa, time out. That is not something we're cool with. But yeah, yeah, no, this is a lot of information in a short period of time. What else, before we kind of wrap it up here, before brains explode, definitely want you to come back because we can expand these topics much deeper later on. But what, what's that last thing you want somebody to know about right now? That if they're listening, they can- Well, I mean, I was just, my my brain was just spinning, right? I was thinking about like ChatGPT. Yep. Essentially is causing people's brains to atrophy. Yes. Right? And there's a lot of other things that are happening in this world right now that are causing our brains to atrophy. And so while we will have this incredible intelligence at our fingertips, that is the unintended consequence of all of this, right? Is that we actually no longer are using our brain <laughs> and are outsourcing our brain to something else. Yeah. And uh, I think you just have to use it better, smarter. And like this train is moving, the AI train is moving, whether and whether it's on Amazon or whether it's in life in general. And I just think that it's moving at, at a level that's so fast, you don't want to be left behind. And it's a still. And so if it's here, why not leverage it? Yeah. Take it and use it for good, right? Why you can stay in and why you understand what it's capable of doing. I do have some insights into the fact that quantum computing was happening in 2007, by the way, even though we were working on the Watson Deep Blue. So I know the machines are much smarter out there in the background than most people understand just through my own connections. So, hey, man, good word today. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. There's thank a you lot for having me. <laughs> on today's call, folks, like, comment, share, put a snide remark. We don't care. Help the algorithm. Share it. Ask questions. We're there to help. Go check out what Prophecy is doing. They'll be in the links below along with the free bonus that Chad just offered. Folks, get out there. Take advantage of it. Time compressed through the use of AI and take advantage of it because if you are not using it, someone else is using it and you're not going to be able to keep up. That's your opportunity after this call today. Folks, have a great one. We'll chat with you soon. Get this. If you're serious about building an e-commerce business starting on Amazon FBA, what if myself and my team worked with you one-on-one -on -one to execute the steps outlined in the podcast while helping you discover what the heck to sell, how to make sure it's profitable, and how to successfully launch a brand? Plus, 
how to do it under a consulting plus performance-driven model where I put a $10,000 skin in the game guarantee for those that show up and are serious about building a real business done with us. If yes, text keyword profit to plus one four one seven four one three four two zero nine. That's one four one seven four one three four two zero nine. And I will personally respond with a few simple questions. If you're not in the US or Canada, please visit voltagedm.com. That's voltagedm.com. Click get started and book a no pressure discovery call with me or a member of my team to learn more about the business builders one-on-one coaching and mentoring for CEOs, entrepreneurs, and those looking to build an empire or retire using the power of e-commerce. Once again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode of the High Voltage Business Builders podcast.